Mile high hello everybody in Broncos country and welcome into another episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host Lance Sanderson and joining me as always is my colleague and good friend, your Denver Broncos insider, Mile High Huddle senior draft analyst, Eric Trickle. Eric, what's going on man? How are you doing today? I'm doing good man. How's it going for you? It's not too bad. Kind of been a long day. Uh, pretty tired right now, fighting through a little bit of exhaustion. But I mean, we're we'll work through it. But it, it is what it is. So I, I feel you on being exhausted. I'm glad that I have a vacation coming up here soon. I'm going to be out of town for a few days. So excited for that. I could definitely use a break. Yeah, I really wish that I could get a get a vacation. I do have one coming up here in a couple of weeks. So uh, fans of the show. Be, be wary that I will probably be gone here uh, over the, the course of the uh, October 15th to October 20th as I go hunting this year. So hopefully we get an elk knockdown. That, that I'll, that'll probably be pretty pretty good time with my dad. So I'm looking forward to that. But anyways, guys, today on Dove Valley Deep Divers, we're going to take a of an extended look at a question that we keep seeing across Broncos country on Twitter, on Facebook, across the, the message forums on milehighhuddle.com. And that is, what do you do if you are the Denver Broncos and you pick in the top five of the 2020 NFL draft? Do you go after a quarterback and why would you or why would you not? After that, we're going to break down a little bit briefly uh, the Los Angeles Chargers game coming up in week five as the Broncos are trying to get their first win of the 2019 season. So, guys, here we go. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Eric, we have kind of a, a big dilemma right now with the Broncos sitting at 0-4 it's it's not looking good. The the offense is kind of hit and miss right now. The offensive line has kind of picked itself up, but the defense has been really really not good over the past couple uh, past couple of games, giving up late game winning field goals and whatnot. So sitting at 0 and 4 right now, the Broncos are currently slated per Tankathon.com with the fourth overall 
pick in the 2020 NFL Draft behind the Miami Dolphins, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Washington Redskins. Now, if you are sitting at the number four overall pick in the 2020 Draft, what is the direction that you want to go in? Do you want to try to pick another quarterback and move forward with this franchise? Or do you want to build around your your upcoming second round pick in Drew Locke? Now, to me, it's we're going to kind of break it down as a for and against scenario here. And for me, I'm really kind of against this situation. But to start it off, we're going to, we're going to break down why would you trade for or pick another quarterback in the top five. So, Eric, go ahead and start us off. I think the biggest and most obvious reason is how important the quarterback is. I mean, you look around the NFL and you see a bad Seattle Seahawks team, but they have Russell Wilson. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and when they you're seeing it now that they have a pretty bad team, but when Ben Roethlisberger is out there, they actually are able to perform decently well. We've seen that over the last few years. This year, I mean, it's been kind of bad for them all around, but normally it's been a little bit better. You look at the New England Patriots, they are able to just constantly rotate their, overturn their rosters so much because they have Tom Brady. We saw it with Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos. We see it all the time that good quarterbacks can help cover up all these issues you have elsewhere. There are some instances, though, where we're seeing it not happen so much. And so it makes you, it's, you have to balance it out. I think that having a good quarterback is definitely a must. And it's something that the Denver Broncos have to do, but they did just invest in Drew Locke, so that's why this is such an important question. Again, with how important the quarterback position is, you got to at least consider it, because maybe one of these guys really is the franchise guy, and how much can you really bet on Drew Locke being the guy? How much time does John Elway have left with the Denver Broncos? How much time does Vic Bangio have, or Rick Scangarello? How much time do they have? Can they really sit back and wait for Drew Locke to try and develop and throw their support behind him, or do they not? Do they have to take that guy? That's the biggest thing for me, and so you, that's why you have to be at least very open to taking the quarterback. Right, exactly. And I, I, in my notes here, I have, and it specifically says this, you have to keep turning over every rock, stump, log, and leaf to find that quarterback of the future. In essence, as the saying goes, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet every now and again. So John Elway's done a, a at least uh, made a concert, concerted effort to trying to find a quarterback of the future. He's done it through the draft with Brock Osweiler. He's done it through the draft with Paxton Lynch. You got Trevor Simeon in the debacle that was with that, you know. So you've got to make an investment and you've got to continue to keep making those investments. You've got to continue to keep trying to find that guy. And it's not only through the draft, you also have the the likes of, and this is probably a bad example, but you have the likes of Mark Sanchez coming in as a veteran quarterback that might, you know, be a, a developmental piece for, a, you know, for Paxton Lynch and for Trevor Simeon. You also have Case Keenum coming in last year. You have Joe Flacco that he's traded for this year. So John Elway has been and will continue to keep turning over every rock, every stump, and every log and leaf to try to find that quarterback of the future. And he has to continue to do that. And if you do have a premium pick in the 2020 NFL draft with guys like Tuatago Vailoa with Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, guys like that, you know, the, the top the top tier guys that are g- going to be available this year, 
if you have an opportunity to take them, you have to at least make an attempt or at least, at least take a look at that. At least make sure that you are trying to keep turning over every rock, stump, and log to make sure that you do have a quarterback of the future. Because as you said, Eric, it is completely important. It is the penultimate position in the NFL. Everything runs through the quarterback's hands. So I don't know. If, you, if it's Denver sitting at number four, Tua Tagovailoa goes off the board at number one overall to the Miami Dolphins like everyone's pretty much expecting right now, Elway has already shown an affliction for Justin Herbert. He did that in 2018, 2019. He went up to Eugene, Oregon to go scout the guy. He possibly could have been the number one overall pick if he decided to declare this last year. And now he's obviously in the top end of the quarterback discussion this year. So... Maybe that is something that John Elliott wants to take a look at, is maybe to go get the guy that he actually wanted last year. Well, I, I, just for a little bit of defense of Drew, Drew Locke, I'm not 100% sold that Justin Herbert was his guy over Drew Locke. John Elliott really loves Drew Locke. And people don't realize this. They always want to point out to the fact that, oh, Denver passed on him three times during the 2018 or 2019 NFL draft. He was in discussions for being the pick at 10, but they got a trade offer that they couldn't re- they couldn't pass up. Then he was in discussions at pick 20, and they decided to go with the athletic tight end because they had they were comfortable with Joe Flacco. They still wanted to get that young guy. They had serious discussions about Drew Locke. John Elway wanted him, multiple coaches wanted him, wanted him, but they wouldn't got that athletic tight end that really helps Joe Flacco. And plays directly into Joe Flacco's strengths, actually. Yes. And then the word that I got from my sources is that Denver was trying to move up. They weren't trying to move up for Dalton Rising. They were trying to move up for Drew Locke. They were trying from pick 21 on to try and move up and get him. Finally, they did. And a lot of people will bring up, oh, well, they didn't pick him at pick, what, 41 when they took Dalton Reisner? They picked, they picked him the next pick. It doesn't matter. They had the trade in place. They're getting those two guys no matter which order they took them. They just happened to go with Drew Locke second behind Dalton Reisner and just save them a couple bucks on the quarterback, I guess. Like, I mean, we don't can't really say for sure why they decided to go that way. It was just the way the things it all fell. But they were trying to move up for Drew Locke, and they finally were able to. They absolutely loved Drew Locke. But going back about why they should is that they were willing to sit Drew Locke for this year. Granted, they did expect them to be a little bit better than they are. At this point, I think that they expected them to be at worst two and two. Which, if the defense stepped up, they would be. So I think that they're kind of expecting that. That's why they put him on injured reserve. I know for a fact that they didn't originally plan on bringing him off of injured reserve. They just kind of wanted to sit here and let him sit the year using the VR stuff and work on the mental aspect of the game and and just get him back and get back to working on the physical side of things after this year. Let his hand get back to 100% instead of potentially rushing him back. Things like that. Who knows how things have changed? Who knows how much this injury to Drew Locke is going to affect his throwing? Until we see him on the field, we're not. We, we're not going to know. So you still have this unknown with Drew Locke. Vic Bangio also said that, hey, he's more of a He's a pitcher who doesn't know how to pitch. That is a quote from Vic Fangio. So how much longer, and I hinted, I mentioned this earlier, but how much longer can they sit there and work with him? This is a team that they're trying to rebuild and get back to being competitive. Are they are they willing to sit by Drew Locke as they, he develops? Is he going to show the development? Can you actually risk passing up on a guy, on a Justin Herbert, 
who could potentially become a great NFL quarterback because you hope that Drew Locke can turn it up? Like, can you, I mean, are you willing to pass on them because, and hope that you land a high enough pick in 2021 if Drew Locke proves not to be the guy? Like, there's all this risk to it that, yeah, you have you have to be open-minded about it, and you have to really be looking at the best player available, especially with the situation the Denver Broncos are in. But getting that quarterback covers up so much. Like, but sometimes people forget that sometimes a quarterback can can actually cover it up so much, cover up so much from a team, and sometimes they can't. So, what if this quarterback that Denver brings in isn't able to cover it up? What if Denver doesn't have the pieces around him to really make him successful? That's something that else I need to be concerned about. And we'll talk, I'll go more in depth on that later. So it just comes down to the fact for me as to why you even consider taking a quarterback this early is it's just so important. It's simple as that. And you can't, you can't sit idle. As you said, you have to, you have to turn over every stone. And it is a, it is a common rule that you should be taking a quarterback at least every single year. Maybe not early, but at some point in it. And so that also begs the question about it is, could Denver potentially get a good, decent talent later on? But then you get to the point of, there's a reason why they're going later and not potentially top 10. So everything has, everything has to be on the open. We're four games into the season right now. So Denver, who knows? Maybe Denver does turn it around and they win their next 12 games. Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? Not so much. But we don't know what's going to happen with Denver. And as how things stand right now is everything has to be on the table, and that includes the quarterback position. Taking Drew Locke in the second round can't just take that off the table completely. Absolutely. And uh, another thing that I wanted to kind of bring up here, and it's it's not really a tongue in cheek, but it, it is kind of a, you know, you really got to think about this backwards more or less. But if you do decide you're going to go with Justin Herbert and maybe Drew Locke does play a little bit this year and he shows some promise, you know, now you actually have another valuable trade asset in, in your in your pocket right now with you have a potential quarterback of the future and a guy that has already shown a lot of promise. Maybe you can flip Drew Locke and turn him into another second round pick, seeing kind of what the situation with Josh Rosen is in the Arizona Cardinals slash Miami Dolphins right now. They took Josh Rosen number 10 overall in 2017, and then the Cardinals ended up flipping him so that they could go and take Kyler Murray at the first overall pick. They flipped Josh Rosen for a second round pick to the Miami Dolphins. So they kind of, I mean, they went backwards in their draft capital. So you really got to kind of be leery about that. But what if the Broncos do say, you know what, we have Drew Locke and he has shown a little bit of promise. We just like this guy a little bit better. We're going to put Drew Locke on the market and we're going to put him out there and say, hey, you know what, give us your second round pick in 2021 and maybe we can go build up the defensive line in a better defensive line class, you know, or maybe we're going to go find a cornerback or a safety depth piece, something like that. Like, there is a lot of a lot of variables into taking a quarterback at, at the, the whatever the number four overall pick that the Broncos sit at right now. If that is actually the situation, it has to be thought about because you now have a lot of draft capital in your in your pocket already. Just having those two guys in tow, but. Guys, we're going to continue on. We're going to we're going to talk about the negative aspect of taking a quarterback in the first round here after a quick break. But before we go, I just want to remind you all to head on over to milehighhuddle.com. Check out all of the written content on your Denver Broncos. At the Huddle website, you'll get breaking news, analysis, and opinion articles, as well as in-depth film breakdowns of not only the Broncos players, but matchups to watch in an upcoming game or even our top-notch NFL draft coverage. Right now, I, knew, I do know that Eric has a piece on both Justin Hollins and Malik Reed. So go check those out because we
we already know that Bradley Chubb is missing the rest of the season with a torn ACL. So what kind of impact can those two young guys have for this Denver Broncos offense? But anyways... Also, make sure you guys take a couple of minutes to create your own personalized profile. Hit up the comment section to voice your opinions on any topics that you agree or disagree with. It's completely free, it's easy to use, and we all love to discuss Broncos football with our readers. You can also sit in with us on the live game thread. Talk your thoughts on how the Broncos team is performing in their ongoing game. This week, we're playing against the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers in Carson, so we'll we'll see how it kind of turns out. But with that, guys, we got to step away really quick. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Dove Valley Deep Divers, guys. We just got done discussing what it would mean if the Broncos actually did take a quarterback in the top 10, if they did pick in the top 10 of the 2020 NFL Draft. Pretty decent discussion going on there, but now we're getting into the real meat and potatoes of this discussion because we're both kind of on the same page here. I'm very against taking a quarterback in the in the first round for the Denver Broncos. And the biggest reason why I am against it is because of the investment that the Broncos have already made in Drew Locke. Yes, they did trade up to get the guy in the second round, number 41 overall. So you have to trust your investment. You can go to my Twitter account at Sanderson MHH and see what I have said on that already. You have to trust the investment that you have already made in Drew Locke and you have to put in a proper development plan to get the guy on the field. Right now, obviously, he's injured, so he's probably not going to see very very much time, if any, even after he does come back, depending on what the Broncos' record looks like. I mean, he might see some time towards the end of the season, but, I mean, you have to put in a development plan, and right now, the plan is to have him sit behind Joe Flacco, and we've seen a lot of very good examples of, of players that have sat behind veteran quarterbacks aging in the, the twilight of their careers, more or less, in guys like Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He sat for a couple years behind Hall of Famer Brett Favre. Now you've got Patrick Mahomes. He's doing crazy things down in Kansas City. He sat for a year behind Alex Smith. Philip Rivers sat for a couple years behind Drew Brees, another Hall of Famer. Tom Brady, kind of to an extent, he got his opportunity a little bit earlier because Drew Bledsoe, former first-round pick, former number one overall pick, went down with an injury. So these guys actually had the time to sit back and they got to take a little bit of learning curve and they got to really learn from these veteran quarterbacks. And that was the plan with with Drew Locke was to let him sit behind Joe Flacco, let him learn, let him get his technique down, let him learn how to read the field, let him you know fix the issues that he had with his footwork and stop being such a gunslinger and making bad decisions. So if you have a development plan with Drew Locke, why would you ruin that by taking another quarterback high up in the draft and risk another quarterback controversy. Yeah, as you said, is I am very much against taking quarterback in the first round right now. Of course, a lot can change between now and then. And I have so many reasons for it. I had went back and forth on the previous Monday, the end of September, with, my, with our colleague Nick Kendall about it, going back and forth about it. We also took it to the private chat where we were able to speak a little bit more freely and just make a little bit more jokes at each other's expense a little bit, but... I am, I am really against it right now, and there are so many reasons why. One of them is the whole thing of they invested in Drew Locke, 
despite what people want to say, is there is a lot of love and support for Drew Locke in the building. I talked about their, the whole circumstances around drafting him, how they were trying to move up for him and bring him into the building no matter what, how he was considered at 10, how he was considered at 20. They just decided to go with trading down, get an extra pick this year, an extra th- and the extra third this year, plus whatever, the other stuff they got. And uh, just getting that tight end for Joe Flacco because they did believe a little bit that they would be better this year. So there were these other circumstances with it. Now, here are my reasons for it. Is And I think you're going to talk about this more, is that there is a Bill Parcells guide to drafting quarterbacks out there. And one of them is that you have to be, they have to be a senior and they have to have graduated. This year, looking at the projected 2020, uh, 2020 quarterback class, you have Tua Tagovailoa uh, from Alabama, who's a junior. You have Justin Herbert. Okay, there's a senior for you. You have Joe Burrow. Okay, he's a senior as well. Jake Brom, he's a junior. Jacob Eason, he's a junior. Jordan Love, he's a redshirt, jun- redshirt junior. Jalen Hurts, there we go. We have another senior. Nate Stanley, we have another senior. Brian Lewerke from Michigan State, we have another senior. And then going after that, KJ Costello, junior. Kellen Mond, junior. Cole McDonald, junior. Sam Ellinger, junior. I mean, yes, there are other seniors in here, but this top of this class is built with juniors, with underclassmen. They don't fall into that. And I know that there are there are juniors out, and the, there are player, quarterbacks that were juniors that came before when they entered the NFL, and they've gone on to be successful. I get that. I'm just talking about Bill Parcells' guide for it. And with these quarterbacks, they all have a chance to go back to school. They can come out in 2021 with Justin Fields, with Trevor Lawrence, unless they decide to return for their senior year. And then you have you could have who is going to be that Joe Burrow, that sudden riser, or that Jacob Easton, that underclassman riser. We don't know that. And if you swing on the quarterback with the fourth overall pick right now, with what Denver has right now, well, they just traded that for Drew Locke, and Drew Locke ends up being success, successful, but that quarterback you took at four doesn't, you are a complete and utter fool of drafting. You made an investment into a quarterback, in the second round that you traded up for, that you loved, you supported, you wanted, and you decided to basically give up on him and you waste a pick. When you could be building the nest around that quarterback. We are seeing it around the NFL. We are seeing it more and more that teams are working about building the around the quarterback and going to get a quarterback that fits it. We saw this happen with the Philadelphia Eagles. They spent wisely, they drafted wisely, and they are able to build up their team. And then when it came down to getting the quarterback, they were able to move up and go get Carson Wentz. Build up that team around them because you don't want to throw your quarterback into the middle of that and end up having them sacked for 62 times, which with the Broncos issues at offensive line, could be potent, could be a possibility, and have them get hurt and retire before right around thirty, like Andrew Luck has, or have them constantly under pressure, like Deshaun Watson is in Houston. You don't want those issues because that isn't a team that is just relying on your quarterback to go out there and win you games. You want to build up that team. You want to give Drew Locke a shot, but you have to be understand that you can't give him multiple years like they did with Pax and Lynch. To that avoids it. You can you can say okay, we just took this guy. We barely got to see him. If they see him at all, taking him off of injured reserve isn't even guaranteed. By the way, so we don't know if they'll see Drew Locke for sure this year. We should, but we don't know for sure. The few games that you see from him, it's not enough to really evaluate what he's going to do because we're not going to see him really take a huge step in development that you t- get can get from your uh, rookie season to your second year. We're not going to be able to see that. So you want to build up around that. You want to give him that year. 
And then if he if he doesn't show it in twenty twenty in the twenty twenty season, then go after the twenty twenty one class, which looks pretty good. And we don't and not all these underclassmen are going to declare for this NFL draft. So they ne- they hardly they never do. Like there's always some high juniors that always decide to return for to school for another year for their senior year. Every single year, we're going to see that happen again. So that's those are some big reasons as to why I'm against it. Is it all comes down to is Follow these teams that are we're seeing a little bit more success from and build the nest around the quarterback instead of taking the quarterback and just throwing them to the wolves and not being able to. I mean, another example of that is Russell Wilson. Look at the freaking team he had that just trounced the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. That defense was so elite. That defense was so insanely elite. The Legion of Boom, man. Like everybody knows. And they had such a pass rush too. Like it like it it goes kind of to build on to your point there, Eric. The Broncos already have a lot of very good current pieces in place if you look at the roster as a whole. They've already made a couple investments in in the wide receiver position. They've got Cortland Sutton, who is turning a corner. He is looking very, very, very good this year. They did go out, and they got into the investment, and they took the first-round pick on Noah Fant. They got Dalton Reisner. Garrett Bowles is kind of starting to turn a corner, and maybe, you know, give him another year, he might actually turn into a quality left tackle. There is a lot of offensive pieces in place. They've got a quality set of uh, running backs in Royce Freeman and in Phillip Lindsay like there is stuff for Drew Locke to work with on the offense and you have to give him a shot to actually work with it what you need to do is you need to go out and you need to get yourself maybe you do take Tristan Wirfs or Andrew Thomas the, the left tackle from Iowa and Stanford respectively maybe you do go out and Georgia you take, sorry or, sorry Georgia excuse me I do apologize uh maybe you do go out and you take uh Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama, who looks to be one of the best wide receivers we've seen come out in the last decade. Maybe you do go get Henry Ruggs, who is the true speed threat that this Broncos team needs as as far as a wide receiver goes. Defensively, you've got pass rushers already in place, so you don't need to maybe take a, a Chase Young, but you might need to take a look at the cornerback depth. I'm not sure all the top cornerbacks right now off the top of my head, but the cornerback depth is definitely an issue. Devontae Bosme looks to be all right. Isaac Yottam hasn't quite stepped up the way that we thought he was going to after being a third-round draft pick, and Chris Harris Jr. looks to be on his way out. So now you do need a, a, a new cornerback number one. Maybe at the number five overall pick, there's a guy that is a, a top cornerback that could be a cornerback of the future for this Broncos team. Continuing in the secondary, you've got uh, Justin Simmons, who is in the last year of his deal. He's looking to get paid. You've got Will Parks, who's been up and down for the majority of his Broncos career. He's on his way out the door in the last year of his contract. Look at LSU and Grant Delpit. Grant Delpit looks to be a solid, a, a spectacular free safety moving towards the NFL for his NFL future. There are options for the Broncos to build this roster around Drew Locke and actually give him the tools to succeed, like the the Rams did with with Jared Goff, like this the Philadelphia Eagles did with Carson Wentz, like the Seattle Seahawks did with Russell Wilson. There's already pieces in place, and if you go with another quarterback, you're essentially washing all of that down the drain all of it because now you have to completely restart all the way over from scratch you've got these nice young pieces but you're not going to actually be able to incorporate them into the offense you're going to be so worried about a a quarterback competition because your failed evaluation of drew lock or i mean the, the, the locker room could divide itself because they're not sure if they want to pick Trevor Simeon or Paxton. Oh, sorry, excuse me. They're not sure if they want to pick, say, Justin Herbert or Drew Locke to be their their quarterback of the future. Like, 
picking a quarterback in the top 10 again, back-to-back years, you don't see that happen very often. And look at what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals right now. They're not a very good uh, a very good team, and they did get rid of a promising young quarterback in Josh Rosen to go with uh, Kyler Murray and the Cliff Kingsbury co- uh, connection that they have down there right now. That offense doesn't exactly scare me, really, per se. So... You have to build this nest and build the roster around Drew Locke. You have to do that. And if you don't, you have absolutely failed your team in all aspects of team building. Plain and simple. Yeah, and just to really wrap that all up is going to the Arizona Cardinals, what if instead of taking, oh, I don't know, Josh Rosen last year, what if they went and took Derwin James? What if they went and took Leighton Vander Esch or Frank Ragnow because the Arizona Cardinals offensive line is having so many issues. What if they ended up taking Colton Miller, who has been playing a little bit better with the Oakland Raiders this year, or Marcus Davenport because they're having issues getting after the quarterback? What if they went and got Deron Payne, who's been playing pretty well for the for Washington when he's been on the field, or Minka Fitzpatrick? What if they continue to build the team? Or this year, basically, instead of taking Kyler Murray, what if they went and took, oh, I don't know, Quinnen Williams? Quinnen Williams, or Nick Bosa, or Devin White, or TJ Hawkinson. Like, they wouldn't filled up on receivers. I mean, okay, TJ Hawkinson doesn't fit because they don't use tight ends in Arizona, but my point still remains, is what if they went and built around Josh Rosen? Maybe they would be better this year. But no, they wasted two early first-round picks on that. And then here's the, here's the kicker for it all. This is why I am so adamant about building a nest. Say you build a nest. You take a quarter... You take a offensive tackle or a cornerback or whatever with their first round pick and with Denver sitting at four right now that's a great pick I don't think they end up at four I think they end up probably right around eight I do think that the Broncos will win a couple games and get them pushed back and push them back down a little bit or well six or seven I think eight will be the lowest I think five will be the highest sorry I should make that clear so if Denver goes and they build up this team then they have and they hand the keys to Drew Locke for 2020 and he fails Guess what? You're picking high again. Drew Locke's not going to fail, and you're going to end up being picking lower than 10. It's not going to happen. So then you go get a quarterback. Or say or say somehow the defense really steps up, they come through, everything's cooking except for the quarterback, and you go 9-7. and seven. Then you know your team is great, so use, your, use picks and go get a quarterback. If you build up the nest, it opens up more that the Broncos can do if Drew Locke fails. Whereas if you take a quarterback, you don't get to build that nest. And then if if Drew Locke succeed or is looking good, and the other one doesn't, then you wasted a first round pick. If they both failed, then you're extra foolish. Whereas okay, yeah, if maybe that early first round pick fail was working out, and you trade Drew Locke, you can recoup a second round pick. Maybe it all depends on what it says. Odds are, with what we've seen with the NFL, once you're draft, it's like buying a car. As soon as you take it off a lot, it loses its value. I don't think Denver would be able to get Drew Locke a second-round pick unless he shows that he could potentially be a guy. But if he's being potentially showing that he's being a guy, why would you take a quarterback? But then why would you be trying to trade him if you, unless you took a quarterback? It's just a big old circle. Build the nest. It's that simple. If again, if Drew Locke fails, then you can get a quarterback in 2021 and have a good team around him. It's not rocket science. It's really not. Like it, 
the the circle of backwards thinking in this whole situation right now literally just makes me want to chew my fingernails completely off. Like I, I, I want to pull my hair out every time I think about this conversation. Like it is not that hard, guys. It's really not that hard. Hold your horses and be patient. Let Drew Locke show that he either is the guy or he is not the guy and be 100% certain either way. Don't wishy-washy it because as we just already got done discussing with or earlier in the pod, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, he's a junior. He has the best wide receiver core in all of college football and that is not a debate. What if he does want to go back to school and prove that he can actually do it without those guys? What if Jake Fromm wants to go back and prove that he can actually, you know, throw the ball a, bit, a little bit down the field a little bit more and actually improve on his decision-making and reads and stuff like that? I mean, Jacob East, uh, uh, you can go on and on and on. What if all those guys want to stay another year and then you build up the 2020 class that has Justin Fields and uh, Trevor Lawrence already in tow? That 2021 class, quarterback class is going to be insane to choose yeah. from and you are more than likely going to if you do pick a quarterback in 2021 you're probably going to have a quarterback of the future for sure and if you build the nest around him and actually give him a chance to succeed with quality players around him unlike what the Arizona Cardinals did with Josh Rosen then you actually might have a chance to have a, a long-term future for this Denver Broncos franchise and then just one last point I want to make is that I have had seen so many people bring up, oh, the Cleveland Browns, they went and drafted Deshaun Kaiser and then Baker Mayfield the following year, second round, first round. Or the Carolina Panthers did that with Jimmy Clausen, I think it is, and then Cam Newton in the, with the first overall pick. That's great. But you want to know what? Both teams, complete regime change. New coaches, new front office, everything. The person who, the people who were behind that second round quarterback, they were gone. Don't see that happening in Denver. Yeah, probably not. I don't. I don't predict a regime change going on right now. This this roster is already kind of in a state of flux. So you got to really let Vic Fangio get his get his fingerprints on the roster. He's got uh, he's got a draft class under his belt, but he's dealing with the leftovers of the Vance Joseph regime and leftovers of the 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 last remaining bits of Gary Kubiak and the 2015 Super Bowl Broncos, all the veterans and stuff like that. Like it, it's kind of a mix of mix and match of aging veterans that are on their way out the door and young guys that are still trying to find their niche in this roster. So like you have to develop your young talent and the young talent that you have right now currently in tow is Drew Locke and you have to let him make or break his opportunity to be the guy. But guys, we're getting a little bit long here. We're going to take another break. We'll be back on the other side. We're going to talk about the Broncos against the Chargers. So hold on tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, guys, sorry about that. Welcome back to Dove Valley Deep Divers. Uh, now it's time to move on from the quarterback discussion. It's way too early to even have that conversation. Sorry we got a little bit passionate about that. But now it's time to look forward to the, the game on Sunday against Los Angeles Chargers in Carson. And right now we would be remiss if we did not talk about the return of one running back, Melvin Gordon. Yes, he is back, and he is expected to play this week. We're not exactly sure exactly how much he's going to play, and Anthony Lynn did no favors in – revealing any game plan for him. He did say that he was going to be a part of the game plan and it probably wasn't going to be very extensive, but he is going to play. Um, It's, it's not a good look right now with the Denver Broncos defense coming off of a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars where Leonard Fournette just torched him for 225 rushing yards. And Melvin Gordon is a very, very good quality running back, especially out of the backfield. Like a lot of, a lot of people don't give him the credit that he is deserving out of the backfield. He's not your true Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey kind of player like that, but 
I, he's more than capable of coming out of the backfield. But the other guy that we really got to talk about real quick is one Austin Eckler and the, the performance that he has had in Melvin Gordon's stead. Austin Eckler has been a, a revelation this year. He's already – everybody kind of knew him, especially if you're a fantasy football fanatic. Austin Eckler, as far as a receiving threat out of the backfield, has gone above and beyond anything that he has ever done as a receiver out of the backfield this year. Through four games, 24 catches, 270 yards, and three touchdowns. This is a big matchup for the Broncos to watch. Eric, how are you going to stop Austin Eckler and, and Melvin Gordon? No idea. <laughs> don't have anything else to say. I really don't know how to slow them down. Melvin Gordon, I mean, we just saw Denver get get gashed up the middle. I think that this it, – and it's not like Leonard Fournette where you see he runs up the middle so often. Gordon is a threat on the outside. So putting in Purcell isn't the biggest help there. Austin Eckler, he's so quick out of the backfield, I'm not sure any of the Broncos linebackers match up well. Then you have Keenan Allen. And Chris Harris has been talking the talk about taking the first receivers out of the game, but he hasn't. And now he's matched up against Keenan Allen. I ha- I really worry about this Broncos defense in this matchup. Those are the three threats that they really have to slow down. And if they can slow them down and force Phillip Rivers to go elsewhere with the ball, I think the Broncos have a chance. But it's just hard to do that. And then defensively, I mean, the second that Chargers secondary is just so beat up. They're just so beat up all over. Melvin Ingram's not expected to play because of an injury there. Like they're just so beat up. Linebackers are beat up. Secondary's beat up. Casey Hayward, their top corner, has a back injury. There, they can you can move the ball against them. I think that that's going to be the key. Is Denver has to slow down that pass rush they have because even though that they aren't really getting home often, they are a serious threat, especially with Bosa. So you got to figure out what you can slow there and take shots. I think that's going to be a big thing. Denver needs to show that they can score score big, score quickly, and just push the ball downfield. Not this dink and dunk up and down the field because when time comes, that's not going to cut it. So that's my keys to the game. I think that something in my gut tells me that somehow, some way, Denver gets their first one of the season. And I don't want to really say that because I because at the same time, like I don't feel they will. But I'm going to go. I'm going to say that. I'm going to use use this was, until the Denver Broncos show that they can go on the field and execute because on paper they should that there is a lot of ways that the Broncos can exploit the Chargers and put points on the board and outscore the Chargers. But until we see that executed, I just can't pick them to win going with the Chargers in this one. Yeah. It- the, the first half of the, the Jacksonville Jaguars game, you saw that promise. You saw the ability of this offense to march up and down the field and put points on the board. But for some reason, whatever it was, whether it was the play calling or lack of execution or a combination of both, the Broncos offense in the in the second half against the Jaguars just completely well, fell apart. It was absolutely terrible. To, so, to be fair, I went back and I focused on those. The Broncos had four drives in the second half. The fourth one ended in the touchdown. Their first three... Every single time Joe Flacco dropped back, he was either get hit as he throw because of, blue, of a free blitzer because they were bringing the heat every single time, or he just was getting hit as he thrown after they beat the buck. He was constantly under pressure. I don't get the hate he's getting for those drives because when it mattered, he still drove down the field, gave the Broncos a lead with a minute 32 left. Those three drives, yeah, you wanted to see them drive down the field and score, but the Jaguars, they brought the heat. They got to Joe Flacco. They brought pressure, and it really affected them, and it shut down that offense. But when it when it all came to said is all said and done, when it mattered, he, he put the points on the board. 
Yeah, and he put points on the board prior prior to all that pressure and everything. And you're absolutely right. It, it did throw off the offensive execution and gave and make Flacco look a lot worse than it actually did. But still, the execution or the play calling or both were definitely leading factors into that. Yeah, Jacksonville was bringing pressure, but still, you got to execute up front. You still got to block guys in front. You still got to ball out quickly. You still got to make make plays. The Jacksonville Jaguars could figure out how to make plays, but the Broncos' offense certainly couldn't, whether it was in the running game or in the passing game. It was just non-existent offensive football once again, and it relied on the defense, and the defense shattered again. And they gave up another game-winning field goal. This team should very easily be 2-2 two and two right now, and I think the Broncos actually could walk away with the win. But as you said, until they can actually prove that they can stop somebody in a critical down-and-distance situation, you've got a veteran quarterback in Phillip Rivers who has a knack for making plays towards the end of games and getting game-winning touchdowns and game-winning field goals on the board. Like I don't know if I can actually pick the Broncos. I'm going I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers 24-21. to 21, But, I mean, there's, there is a... a a certain way that the Broncos could actually pick apart this this uh, Chargers team, and it is I think it's actually more with a quick passing game. Casey Hayward, if he does actually play, that that might take away from that. But you obviously have to get the ball out of Joe Flacco's hands quickly. You've got Joey Bosa coming off the edge, uh, Jerry Tillery up the front. I, I mean, and a quick and surprising statistic for you if you if you didn't actually know this, who is their leading sacker? Who is the, the Los Angeles Chargers leading sacker? It is Desmond King, cornerback Desmond King, coming off on the blitz. So the the Chargers are bringing a lot of corner pre, cornerback pressure on the blitz. I think you can also exploit Desmond King as far as his pass coverage goes. They're playing him on the outside. I want to see Cortland Sutton going against Desmond King on the outside this week. Desmond King, who we thought was going to be a lockdown cornerback, and he really is when he plays in the slot, but out on the outside, he's struggling pretty bad. 11 completions on 13 targets for over 170 yards and two touchdowns. A perfect 158.3 passer rating into his coverage. I want to see Cortland Sutton and the emergence that he has had this year as far as on the outside, catching those quick passes, the quick slants, getting the yards after catch. I want to see what he's going to be able to do against Desmond King. That is the big matchup for me to watch, at least for the Broncos on the offense. Now, defensively, Ah, man, it's really hard to it's hard to see them stopping Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. It really is, but they don't have a tight end threat over the middle of the field. It's Keenan Allen, and that's really really pretty much it. Dontrell Inman just landed on IR. They have two tight ends right now uh, in Hunter Henry and Sean Cucklin, who are uh, Sean Cucklin just landed on IR. They're down to Lance Kendricks as a starter at tight end, and I think his name is Steven Anderson, the tight end they promoted off of their practice squad. So. They're really limited as far as pass, kept, pass catching options. Travis Benjamin is also nicked up right now. So, I mean, if you can get after Phillip Rivers with that offensive line that is not very good, don't let the advanced analytics statistics from ESPN fool you. They are not very good. Like, if the if the Broncos can get Von Miller and Justin Hollins and Malik Reed going, and I know that sounds really weird to say, but if they can get the pass rush going on the exterior against, what's it, Trenton Scott and Sam Tevy? I think that the Broncos can have a lot of success, and I'm really excited to see Von Miller take uh, Phillip Rivers down once again this year. Yeah, I agree. It's just, again, it just comes down to me is, can they go out there and can they execute for the full 60 minutes? We haven't seen that. Plain and simple, we haven't seen it. Until we do, I don't see how anybody can pick the Broncos to win a game. Nope. I, I don't see it either. 
But guys, that's going to wrap it up for us today. We're going to we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you all once again for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow us both on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle, spelled E R I C K T R I C K E L. Also, be sure to follow at Mile High Huddle and set up your notifications for instant updates on your Denver Broncos. Each and every story published on the Huddle website is posted immediately on our Twitter handle, so you guys have instant access right at your fingertips. You guys can also like the Mile High Huddle's Facebook page as well. We love and appreciate all your guys' support, and if it weren't for you, we would not be able to do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. So until next time, Broncos country, stay safe and take care. You guys have a great day. Thanks.